the Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. The Apostle Paul wrote many great books, and one of the great books that he wrote was the book of Galatians. It has many important verses, and I just want to read one of those. It's, it's Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is Bert Harper and Alex McFarland, and it's our joy to be with you. And we are starting a new book to study, the book of Galatians. Now, we have gone over it again before, but we want to do it once again because it is so relevant, so much of the Scripture. We talked about how First Peter was so relevant for our day. Let me just share with you, Galatians is as well. Uh, there's an extreme, a legalism and license. And both of those are wrong concerning living the Christian life. It is the liberty that we have in Christ to obey him and to do and follow him. So we're going to talk about that liberty uh, as we go through the book of Galatians. It is by grace that we're saved, and the book of Galatians is a declaration of that grace. Again, Alex, what a book. I read it complete. Uh, I said, okay, I want to start it. So I read the whole book, all six chapters at one time, and just was energized by Paul and the way he would deliver this about his personal testimony and then the doctrine and then the practicality. That's the way the book of Galatians is divided up. Amen. Well, you know, you read that very famous verse of Galatians 2.20, that I am crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live, but Christ in me. You know, another memory verse, uh, Bert, when I was in seminary, we had to memorize a lot of Bible verses, and one of which was uh, Galatians 2.16. Now, folks, the, the law, something like uh, the words for the law of God, uh, you know, almost three dozen times in this book, and then bondage like a dozen times. It's really amazing because Galatians has been called the gospel of God's grace. We memorize this verse in seminary, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ and not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. Bert, it's amazing that in Galatians 2.16, three times, three different ways, Paul says we're not justified by keeping the law. I'm thinking Paul wanted us to realize that we're not justified by keeping the law. <laughs> I believe that was one of his primary goals for writing this. And uh, let's, let's make sure everybody who's listening knows this. He was writing to a group of people that he had gone and planted a church taught them concerning grace of God that were saved by grace through faith. And now there was these false teachers creeping in. They're known as Judaizers, said, yes, but grace is not sufficient. You got to go back to the law and live by the law. And you combine the grace and combine the law. And Paul just makes it plain. No way. 
No way. It is, we're justified by grace through Christ in him alone. And where's the law? He said, well, it had a purpose, but now we have something better, and it's called salvation by grace through faith. Amen. Amen. Uh, I'm going to begin reading, and folks, this is Exploring the Word. We appreciate you listening and so honored that uh, we have this chance every day, Monday through Friday, on live radio to open up the Word of God. And later on, we're going to get to Bible questions, and I'm just going to go ahead and give that number, and maybe you write it down, and uh, whether you call today or at some future point, we'd be privileged to hear from you, but the number is 888-589-8840, It begins, it says, Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me, unto the churches of Galatia. This is this region. It's interesting, he identifies himself as an apostle and then references Jesus, who's been raised from the dead, because an apostle, now Bert, am am I right? An apostle was one who knew Jesus and or had seen the risen Jesus, right? You are right, Alex, and the meaning of it is sent one with a commission. In other words, there were disciples, there were many disciples, but out of those disciples, which means learners or followers, you had some special men that God called out as apostles that were sent, and they had their position. And that's why he talks about an apostle, because his apostleship was completely different than the other 11 apostles who walked with Christ for three years, but he had seen the risen Lord. And later on, when we get into his testimony here, he was taught of the Lord in Arabia. So yes, Alex, it is one that has seen the risen Lord, but he is given his authority right here. Paul, an apostle, he says, I have authority to write this letter to you. And it's a letter of uh, of doctrine, but a little, uh, not quite as severe as Corinthians now, but it is a doctrine, uh, a book of correction and saying, you have fallen from where you started. You need to get back to the basics of grace. So, Alex, it is right. Paul, an apostle, and one more thing, and I'll throw it back to you, to the churches of Galatia. This is unusual for Paul. The church, uh, the letter of uh, that follows this, Galatians, Ephesians, was written to the, the church at Ephesus, the church, uh, the first and second Corinthians, to the church at Corinth, and so forth. But this is a region. And so these Judaizers that had crept in to lead them astray, they were not just attacking one church. They were attacking a whole group in a region of churches, Alex. Wow. Well, he goes on, and he, you know, as he so often would use wording like this, grace to you, grace be to you, and peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, verse 4, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who is this? Paul says, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. So these first five verses are a wonderful salutation. And look in verse 4 at these, these words, this present evil world. The word evil there, there's a lot there. I mean, we think of um, moral evil and sin, and that certainly does seem to characterize this world. But, but it really means um, pain-ridden, uh, 
and the word there, pain-ridden, is also the Greek word for misery, evil and misery. Now, look, I love life, and life has meaning because of our salvation in Jesus. But, Bert, I've got to agree with Paul here. Um, This is a world of evil and misery because of our rebellion against God. It is. Notice the other word there that precedes that, to deliver us. Alex, again, I I know I'm pretty uh, common at saying something about deliverance. It's so important. But God delivers us. He takes us out, okay? That is saving us. But he also deposits us. He delivers us. He doesn't do a half job. He delivers us from this present evil age, and you've done well to describe it. Can I tell you, it will always be present evil age, no matter what age you're in, until Christ Mm. comes back and sets it right. It will always be that present evil age. And notice what it's for. According to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. I I just want to share this with everyone who is listening. Our ultimate aim after salvation is to bring glory to the Father. We're to bring glory to him. Jesus came. I came not to do my will, he said, but I came to do the will of the Father, that the Father might be glorified through the Son. Jesus, one of Jesus' purpose, yes, he came to save us. Yes, he did, Alex. But one of the purposes that he came was to glorify the Father in obedience. Now, Alex... Can, I want to ask you a question, and you answer it. Can we glorify God apart from obedience? Oh, no. We, we really can't. Um, you know, Augustine said that um, if we're not obeying Jesus, if we're not living in, in faith and obedience, then even our good works are merely splendid yeah. sins. <laughs> that, wow. That's what he said. Uh, mm. But, you know, I, I really love this book. You know I love the, the book of Romans, but I love the book of Galatians, because it really does talk about the grace of God. And, uh, you know, um, it. I, I think it's hard for the human mind to really give ourselves permission to believe that it's purely by the love and the grace of Jesus, not by works. Bert, uh, and I want to get to verse 6, because the people there that Paul is writing to have uh, abandoned the idea that salvation is a free gift. Yeah. It's not something you earn. But let me ask you this. Why is it hard for the human mind to really accept that it is just by God's love and grace and not some merit that we deserved or earned? I, I think it's hard for all mankind, but I think in America, let me just, we've been taught, and, and it's a good work ethic. Now, it's pull yourselves up by your own bootstraps. You you are the one that determines your choices will determine your future. So in, in a way, in our work ethic, we which is good, don't you hear me not saying that, but if we translate that into salvation and that we can work and, and, and we can help the good outweigh the bad, uh, see our judicial system is kind of based upon that. It's got that the woman blindfolded holding the scales up, you know, good or bad. So in our interpretation, in America we think that, but it's that way all, all along. It seems the right thing. If I'm good enough, I can do it. If I'm good enough and try hard, I can, quote, make the team. So, Alex, I, I believe 
just <laughs> most things, God just turns the world upside down from the way the world thinks it should work, you know? It's, I know. it's just a, yeah. the first shall be last and the last shall be first, you know? The, the whole idea of what man presumes and thinks uh, is usually wrong. It's just it wrong. And, and let me say this. Uh, we go to heaven, on, as A.W. Tozer said, on the merit of another. Yep. You know, we listen, should we live right? Yes, we should. Should we be moral? Yeah, we should, we should try to be good and do good. But that is not what saves you. We are, we are fallen sinners, and it is through the righteousness of Jesus that we that we are made right in the sight of God. And so we'll talk about that. But Paul says in verse 6, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. Okay, verses 6 and 7 of Galatians 1. Paul says he's amazed, and the word is really astonished, right. like shocked. Bert um, you know, if if we hear something like it, if somebody said, you know, Billy Graham wasn't a Christian or something, for one thing, I could never believe that, but it, we'd be shocked. And Paul gets wind that they're adding works to grace, and he was not only astonished, but I think he was very burdened about it, so much so that he wrote this wonderful letter. He is, and notice the words that are added so soon. Uh, he, he's saying, I hadn't been gone away from you that long, and you mean you've been hoodwinked? And like you said, I marveled that you've been, uh, that in, its, in verse 7, it say perverted. It means that they have been distorting the gospel. Hey, we're going to come back, and we're going to hear Paul make sure that they know what the gospel is, not distorted, but true. This is Pause to Pray. A chance to stop down each day from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today we pray for Suzanne Goldberg, Acting Assistant Secretary at the Office for Civil Rights. Her office enforces civil rights laws prohibiting schools from discrimination. Psalm 106.3 reminds us of the importance of treating one another with fairness and equality. Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Right now with this in mind, Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask you to guide Suzanne Goldberg as she works to prevent discrimination in her schools. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. This is an important election year in your state and all across the country, and we are joining together to pray the vote. Details at pausetopray.org. Real pleasure is something God invented and Satan counterfeited. But Dr. Tony Evans says a lot of people have a hard time telling the real thing from the fake. He'll help us discover the difference today as we spend two minutes with Tony. Do we have any surfers out here? Anybody surf out here? A surfer weighs out in the water on top of the surfing board. And you know what they're waiting for? They're waiting for a wave. They stand up on the board and they begin to ride the wave. And oh, how pleasurable of experience it is. And they're full of joy and excitement. The problem comes is that the wave runs out. And so all day long, they are looking for a new experience that will give them a momentary high. Water skis are a little different. They tied into a power source because they hooked into a boat. And that boat is pulling them through the water. And as long as they hold on tight, 
they can experience fun all day long. If they happen to fall over, the boat will turn around, come back around, pick them up, and won't let them stay down. So do you want to be a surfer, getting a little wave here and a little wave there, or do you want to be a water skier, hooked on to the power of God, the presence of God, the joy of God, because you've decided the Lord is my pleasure, and I'm going to hang out with him. And if I happen to fall, if I happen to let go, he knows where I fell short, and he's going to pull around and pick a brother up one more time. Lasting pleasure and deep fulfillment are the byproducts of having a real relationship with God. Learn more about what that means and how it can happen for you today. Visit TonyEvans.org and click on the link that says Jesus. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. For He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son He loves. Colossians 1.13 American Family Radio. We've all searched for the light of day in the dead of night. We've all found ourselves worn out from the same old fire. We've all run to things we know just ain't right. And there's a better life. There's a better life. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. We are in Galatians chapter 1. If you're just now tuning in, you've, you've come on the right day because we're just starting a brand new book. Bert Harper and I are going to go through the book of Galatians. So uh, you, you've, you've come in at the right time because we're just beginning Galatians. And if you can turn in the New Testament, follow along with us. The number will take calls and questions here in just a few moments, 888 and, uh, hey, Bert, I know we've all heard the word orthodox or orthodoxy. And, you know, right truth, biblical teaching, if it's accurate to the Word of God, it, we say it's orthodox. Well, Paul says, I marvel that you've been called into a different gospel, which isn't really the gospel. And the word in verse 6, there, a different gospel, or some translations will say another gospel, it's, it's the word heterodox. Now, I know, folks, these are kind of 85-cent words, but heterodoxy, and sometimes we use its uh, similar word, heresy, means something different. So if somebody says, okay, Jesus is not the one and only Son of God, that's not orthodox, that's heterodox. If somebody says, well, salvation is by faith plus works, you got to do this too, well, that's not orthodox, that's heterodox. And uh, we don't want to be heretical or heterodox. We want to be orthodox, Amen. which is Jesus loves me, this I know, and my faith is in him. Amen, Alex. There's another word that we need to look at in verse 7, and that is the word trouble. But there mm. are some who trouble you. This word trouble is not just casual. This is very troubled. This is has the idea of of complete confusion, and uh, so and and they're troubling. So this means these people are are they haven't gone over yet. Okay, uh, they're falling from grace. By that I mean they're not uh, they haven't gotten lost, but they're falling from living by grace. And here, notice, but there are some who trouble you. Uh, now here's the idea. 
most un or are heterodox, uh, doxy, those that are heretics. Here, here's what they usually do. They prey on those that's already gone in a direction, and they're trying to confuse them. They don't go out and get their own converts. They want to take those that are that Paul has started here, and they come in, and they're trying to steal them away. They're trying to bring them up, as he said, another, which is really not another. And so the trouble you and want to, and again, I talked about it earlier, that word pervert, the gospel of Christ, it is a distortion. Anything that's without Christ alone, through faith alone, in grace alone, is distorted. Just let me share that with you. It is perverted. It is only in Christ, only by grace through faith, that you are saved. That's it. Paul declared that to Galatians, the churches of Galatia, and here these people are coming in and they're perverting it. Uh, Alex, there's always been a perversion. Now, what that means is there's counterfeits of the real thing. And and Paul is going mm-hmm. to share with them the real thing is by grace. It is not by the law, isn't it? It's, it's by grace right. alone. Yeah, and folks, that's why we, we needed Jesus because, listen, God is righteous, God is holy, God is merciful. But, uh, you know, if salvation was by works— I mean, what would be the standard? Now, now think about this, because, all right, Jesus is the perfect, righteous, sinless Son of God. He is deity, God incarnate. That's Jesus. And because of his identity, he was able to perform the work of salvation. But, Bert, if salvation was by our efforts, so let's say somebody endeavored and they did their best, they lived a very holy life, and then somebody else is just nominal, you know, they they barely cared uh, salvation, it wouldn't be an objective, consistent standard. I mean, heaven wouldn't be very heavenly. We'd say, well, I, you know, I tried to be a good person, and that guy over there, I know he didn't try, and why is he here? Look, heaven's going to be a place of gratitude, because we all know the only reason any of us are there is because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Amen. And, and so this is, among other things, there's so much we could say, but this is what makes heaven uh, consistent and salvation, I'm, I'm going to say fair. It's, it's not fair because Jesus didn't deserve to die. It, it's grace, but it was by his righteous, righteous work, none of ours. And, and in doing that, he says, if anybody perverts this gospel, notice the last part of verse 7, the gospel of Christ. It's not here. To, uh, I want to make this distinction, and we'll get to it later even better. It's the gospel of Christ, not the gospel of Paul. And uh, mm. he's going to make that well statement. Said. And today, when Alex and I say to you, in order to be saved, you've got to come to Jesus Christ, and you've got to admit that you're lost, that there's nothing that you can do that is sufficient enough to propel you to be good enough to, to get heaven. And by doing that, you trust Jesus that he came to earth. He lived that perfect life without sin, and he died on the cross, was buried, and rose again the third day, and rose and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And if you will repent, turn away from your way, Turn to God and say, God, I am lost. I surrender my life to you. I give you my life now and forever. 
I want you to be Lord of my life. Save me, Lord Jesus. You can be saved. That's not Bert's gospel. It's not Alex's gospel. It's even not the interpretation. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ in him alone. And Paul says in verse 8, but even if we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you that what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. Alex, mm. this accursed is anathema. It is the most severe punishment, judgment that can be given to someone. And he says, oh, let right. them be accursed. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Well, that's right. And, you know, in Galatians 1.8, this is such a powerful verse because there have been, uh, you know, non-Christian religions. I mean, there, there, there are religious systems that claim to be Christian, or they'll say, look, we're the real Christians. But Paul, the Apostle Paul, says, look, if we or an angel from heaven preaches a different gospel than the one that we proclaimed, let him be accursed. The word is anathema, and that, that word means, means damned. I mean, that's strong language, but this is why it's so important, because salvation is by faith in Jesus, plus nothing, minus nothing. So, so be careful. If you don't have a salvation based on the Son of God who died on the cross, and by faith alone, trust, belief in Jesus, and should we go to church? Yes. Uh, should we tithe? Yes. Should we do all manner of, of righteous actions, of course, but know that that's not what saves us. Our our status before God, our security for eternity, is based on Jesus and Jesus alone. And he goes on, he says, as we said before, so I say now again, if any man preach another gospel other than what we have received, let him be accursed. So verse 8 and 9, both, Paul pronounces an anathema on those that give a different gospel message. Now, verse 10. Alex, before you leave, I, I just got to make this comment. You go to verse 10. But this is repeating it so strongly. The, I mean, yes. he, he doesn't mention it casually. These words that he's been using in this verses 6 through 9, I marvel. I'm amazed. I'm astonished. Then trouble, very the, the greatest difficulty, the greatest anguish of mine, not just a little, the word pervert or distort, anathema, these, I'm just making sure everyone gets this, these are severe words. They're not just casual dropping in. He is choosing these words very purposefully to let us know how important it is to be truthful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, isn't he? Exactly. Just like in Galatians 2, 16 and 20, where he repeatedly says we're not justified by the works of the law. Here, again, he doubly you know, repeats himself. If somebody's going to twist and pervert the gospel, let him be anathema. And he, I love in verse 10, he says, look, I'm not here to persuade men. Do I now persuade men or God? Do I seek to please men? If I yet please men, I wouldn't be the servant of Christ. And we, we need, as, as preachers, and certainly as Christians, have that attitude. Look, I'm not going to tell you necessarily what you want to hear, but I'm going to tell you what you need to hear. And I'm not going to say things that are popular. I'm going to say things that are truthful. That's why, folks, listening, uh, and I want to say a big, big thank you to everybody who participated in share last Amen. week. Amen. And many of you prayed and you donated. We thank God for each and every one of you, because here's the thing. 
um, the the day that you turn on this radio and hear Bert or I say something other than the gospel is never going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, we will tell you that homosexuality is a sin. We will tell you that the Bible has not been changed. There is no such thing as evolution. God created. There is no such thing as salvation apart from Jesus. Why? Because like Paul in Galatians 1.10, we're not doing this to please men. We're doing this to try to be obedient to Christ and to try to see souls get saved. Alex, thank you for doing that. And I want to add mine to that. Thank you for those of four, over $4 million are record-breaking, over 19,000 households who would make that kind of pledge. And we say thank you from the bottom of yes. our heart. And again, you. notice this in verse 10. I do not seek to please men. I think Paul's proven that, and I think he's getting to that to these Judaizers and, and the people who are following them, they're accusing him of trying to please everybody. No, he, he, they accuse him of being one way with the Jews and another way with the Gentiles. No, he is one way. You're saved by grace through faith, but he's not seeking to please men. Alex, if he was pleasing to seek men, he would have stayed on that road to Damascus and he would have continued being Saul of Tarsus, the persecutor, because he was climbing in his category of, of great, great notoriety. He had studied at Gamaliel. He was on track to be the next Gamaliel. If he was wanting to please men, he wouldn't have changed direction on the road to Damascus. That, that's true. That's true. And, and let me say, Christianity is, is a joy. Being in the ministry is a joy, but I will tell you, if you um, really, really commit to serve the Lord, there, there's a cost. Now, salvation is a free gift, but obedience can be costly. Paul knew that cost, and maybe many of you listening do, but he goes on, he says, here's why I'm not trying to please man, verse 11, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man, that's how the King James renders it. Neither I received it of man, but I was taught it by the revelation of Jesus Christ. See, Bert, it's been said that the Bible is not a book that man would write if he could or could write if he would. See, Paul says, I'm not trying to please man because my gospel is not of human origin. And let me say, folks, it's interesting. Bert, people often ask me, why do I believe Christianity is true? And there's a whole lot of reasons. But one of the reasons that I absolutely believe the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ is because it is so different. Bert, I did uh, my graduate thesis on world religions. And it, it's been said that there are 30,000 religions in the world, multiplied thousands of subgroups. And they all boil down to one thing, works. If, if there is a heaven... Somehow I prepare for the afterlife by good works. Thousands of religions say that very same premise. And here comes in, in lone descent, Christianity says, no, your good works don't account for anything. You, if you want to go to heaven, not hell, the way you prepare is by the work done by Jesus. And so... Uh, this gospel, it, it's not of human origin, is it? It is not, and you can't help but love. I know King James says, after men, the new yeah. King James, according to man. 
Uh, yes. And what you just said in comparative religions, the world religions, and it is compared, and they have that theme of works. Christianity alone stands up and says, yes, works are a part of after faith, after grace. Uh, the book of Ephesians makes that plain. We were created unto good works. And and the book of Corinthians ad, says, though we give our body to be burned and, and we and have not love, the love of God in us that's changed us, it's nothing. So, Alex, this is so, so powerful. But I make known to you, and notice who he calls out, brethren. He is fighting and he is arguing for their uh, souls to stay on target with Christ. Isn't that beautiful? He, There's some things worth to go going to war over. You catch what he's saying? Yes. He says, yes. I am. I am coming to bat for you. I am I am doing this for you. I'm not doing this for me. I'm not doing this to please men. I'm doing this because the gospel of Jesus Christ is true. You've believed it. You don't want need to turn away from it. He makes that argument very powerfully and plain. He really does. He really does. And in verse 13, and again, I've got my KJV here, but he says, You have heard of my conversation in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it. Isn't that something? Mm. Now, i, I got to say this. The word conversation, it means his manner of life or his chosen path. Now, fascinating to me, Bert, the word there is like the word for converted, right. turn around, uh, that Peter preached. You've got to turn from what you're doing to Christ. Paul said, my, my previous way, I turned and I turn to faith in Jesus. Hey, Exploring the Word is back after this. Stay tuned. What we believe about the Bible is based on what we believe about its source. The God Who Speaks, the award-winning documentary from the American Family Association, is now available in a special limited edition DVD set. This release includes a Sunday school curriculum and two hours of additional footage. Go to thegodwhospeaks.org to get your copy today. Thegodwhospeaks.org Friendships is looking for full-time volunteer men and women who are serious about serving God, investing time in rewarding work, and helping people in need around the world. There is no charge to serve. Room and board are provided. A willing heart and a desire to work as part of a team are the primary skills required. Check out the opportunities at friendships.org or email portmercy at friendships.org. That's portmercy at friendships.org. So there's this couple named Kyle and Katie, and they were excited. They were expecting their third child, and then they got some really bad news. Their unborn baby desperately needed surgery in utero. They had switched the way they pay their healthcare bills from health insurance to MediShare, so they were wondering, is this gonna work? It's a life, and it's my son's life, and you know we should all be doing anything we can for that. Kyle knew they were looking at a mountain of medical bills. And of that, I had to pay almost nothing. We felt like MediShare was rallying behind us, almost like family. MediShare is a community of Christians who care about people like Kyle and Katie, 
and little Liam, who is now a happy little boy who loves to play outside with his brother and sister. Yeah, you know, Liam's around because of that. We'll always remember. Find out how you can save $500 a month or more on your health care. Call 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE. 833-44-BIBLE. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Have you ever seen one of those track and field events where the runner starts out in blazing fashion, leading the pack for the majority of the race, only to stumble just before reaching the finish line? Starting the race well and running well are vitally important, but if we don't finish the race well, all else can be overthrown. The Apostle Paul penned those words, having fought the good fight, right on to the end as he faced imminent execution under Nero's sword. Let us all, brothers and sisters, set our courses to finish well. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bertie and Alex with you. That number that you can call, it's open right now, 888-589-8840. We've got plenty of lines open, and we're, we would get to your call. But first, Alex, I, I want to give a shout-out to First Baptist Church, Baldwin, Mississippi. I've been interim pastor there for 10 months, and I finished up my last Sunday. Uh, this Sunday, they've got their new pastor uh, coming, Haley Urich, he's coming in, and he'll be there in the month of May, so we're excited for him. But we've got a lot of great listeners at First Baptist Baldwin, and uh, they would come up and they would talk. We heard you and Alex. We heard you and Alex, and huh. they've been so gracious, and I just needed to give them a shout-out and say Wonderful. thank you for this gracious church, allowing Jan and myself to serve. That's a joy to be able to serve, isn't it? Oh my goodness, yes, it really is. It really is. And uh, I want to give a, a shout out to the Cove folks. I'm going to be there at the Billy Graham Training Center July 8 through 10. We'll be doing the book of First Peter, and we'll be talking about biblical apologetics and the Word of God. And so uh, we are so blessed for all the opportunities. And I've got a lot uh, of travel coming up, and we'll be keeping you all informed about that. I'll be in Illinois this weekend. But I would love to see a lot of Exploring the Board listeners at the Cove, the Billy Graham Training Center, July 8 through 10. And we'll have food and fellowship and the Word of God, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for America. It's always very powerful, isn't it? The Cove, listen, you'll get so many blessings hearing Alex, meeting Alex, meeting the people, and just being at the Cove and walking through their grounds. Uh, you'll be blessed, and so I hope you'll do that in July. Well, we've, excuse me, we've got people that have called in, and Lee from Arkansas is on line. Lee, welcome. Hey, thank you, gentlemen, and thank you for taking my call. Um, I hope that I've gathered, gathered my thoughts well enough to tee this up for you um, to where it makes sense. Um, so 
Every Good Friday for the past, I would say, about 10 years, I watch The Passion of the Christ um, mm. as a honor and kind of a, a form of uh, communion in a way um, to where I just feel convicted and led to honor Christ through um, annually respecting um, what he did. And I feel like that film gives a great um, visual on on that. Unfortunately, it's a very hard watch, but it is, um, I feel, something uh, very necessary. And when I watched it on this past Good Friday, um, the part where I believe his name's Simon, I could be wrong, but Simon, the gentleman that is pulled from the crowd, and if it's mm-hmm. biblically accurate, the way that the Passion of the Christ film um, portrayed that, he was the one who helped him carry the cross. It, There's yes. not much in the Bible about him, yeah. but my question is, <clears throat> since obviously um, cru- uh, Christ getting crucified on the cross had to happen in order for um, uh, salvation to be fulfilled, why did Christ, and I, if, if it were any other human in the world, I wouldn't ask this question, but how come Christ had to have help? Um, is that was that for Simon, uh, Salvation of Simon? Was that to show a human element to everybody watching? Um, or, I mean, obviously Christ would be capable of executing that because it's ordained by God. But why, my question is, why Why did Simon have to help him? Okay, Lee, thank you. Great. Uh, praise the Lord. Uh, you've, you've helped us to remind us of that. Simon of Cyrene. And uh, he had sons that would probably, Rufus is one of those, I forgot the exact other one, that would uh, be, probably become followers of Jesus Christ. Alex, let me set this up for you. This was in his complete humanity, just like he hungered, just like he needed to sleep, he needed that person to carry the cross. It did not lessen his work, but just like he hungered and he he wept over uh, Lazarus. Alex, the humanity of Jesus comes through, doesn't it? Absolutely. You know what? I I, I tweeted uh, a thing over Easter weekend about his um, his death showed his full humanity, but his resurrection showed his full deity that he rose from the dead. And it, it's interesting. Much has been written about Simon the Cyrene, which he's mentioned in Matthew. Um, and he was from what we know today as Libya. Um, was he part Jewish? Was he was he black? You know, a lot has been uh, speculated about him. But um, I, I think for one thing, it showed his humanity and the the fact that you know he had been beaten, he had been dehydrated, he had lost a ton of blood, and uh, the full humanity of Christ that he went to the cross. In, in a severely compromised condition already. And I just think it's miraculous that Jesus was was kept alive and and willed himself to live, to suffer, suffer, suffer for us. And then he yielded up his spirit. He expired. And so maybe it was uh, maybe it was to show Jesus' full humanity. A lot of commentators have said we, we just don't completely no, but um, Jesus went to the cross. The, the journey up Calvary's hill was rigorous and arduous, um, 
but Jesus stayed alive to pay our sin debt. Yeah. <clears throat> Lee, we hope that gives you an answer that will help you. Uh, but again, Jesus, I mean, he suffered 39 lashes with that whip that had uh, rock and bone in it that would peel back his flesh. And if you want to read even a, a great description of it, is it is in Psalm 22. All my bones are out of joint, not broken, but out of joint. It is. Uh, it lets you know, I think, why uh, Simon of Cyrene carried that cross that far. But anyway, thank you. Let's go to Texas. Travis, welcome. How's it going? Doing good, man. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Thank you. So uh, I've been, uh, uh, I ran across a couple of books, one from, uh, I believe his name is uh, Malcolm Smith, uh, The Power of the Blood Covenant, and uh, by uh, Trumbull and by Kenyon. And I find it very fascinating, the, the blood covenant and the understanding of covenant really opened my eyes to understanding uh, that Jesus was our representative. And so, uh, you know, I just wondered if y'all had uh, uh, studied any of the books on, uh, or read any of the books on Covenant and didn't know if y'all had any uh, recommendations on that. Uh, and uh, if that maybe y'all would pray for me uh, because I aspire to uh, to uh, help in teaching uh, the gospel. So, I, you know, I didn't know if y'all had any recommendations. Okay, Travis, thank you. Thank you for your calling. Let me just say a word, Alex, and you take it. This covenant is stronger than a contract. Covenant is stronger than, than an agreement. Uh, it is a covenant. It's the highest form and there's the covenants of equals, but then there's the covenant of one being higher than the other. The blood covenant was, was is Jonathan and David in their covenant that they made when they, you know, blood, is that a forerunner of the blood? Uh, it's more than that, but a, a forerunner of the blood covenant of Jesus Christ, Alex? Uh, yeah, it, it is, and, and I'm glad you're reading those books by Trumbull and Kenyon, some uh, older commentators, I haven't heard those names in a while, but the word covenant, and it's it's berith, uh, B-E-R-I-T-H, I'm probably not pronouncing it right, but it, Bert, you're right, it's much more than merely a legal agreement, although it is that, but it means to cut, and you know, when Abraham and God made a covenant together, and whenever there was a, a covenant ratified, um, that, that would sacrifice an animal because essentially what you're saying is uh, if, if I am a party of this covenant and then you ratify it, you legitimize it, and you seal that covenant by sacrificing an animal, what you're saying is may this be what happens to me if I fail on my end of the deal. Bert, uh, now God keeps the covenant, the salvation covenant. You know, I think about Hebrews 9.15 that says Jesus is the mediator of the new covenant. And here's the thing. If you're a believer and we say you're secure in Christ, God has essentially promised to us he would, he would cease to be God before he would 
bail out on his promise mm. to take you to heaven. And, of course, we know that would never happen. Just like he gave his life for us, we should give our life for him. But a covenant and our salvation is a, is a covenant relationship. It's the highest possible commitment yes. that could ever be um, exchanged. I could not help but think of this today. We talked about anathema, you know, mm-hmm. the, the most severe judgment and covenant, the highest pledge of of promise keep you know uh what a contrast that is and travis thank you for calling today and we pray that you'd continue teaching we we want to pray for you that you would be an effective teacher of the word of god thank you brother let's go to janice janice welcome from texas right yes that's right well great i just i just want to thank you too for your program i particularly appreciate the way you glorify god and the way you always present the gospel. Thank you for that. Oh, bless and you. My, <laughs> yes, and my question is, on what day of creation uh, did God create the angels? Our pastor preached from Psalm 104, verses 3 and following, and I did not quite understand how that explained that they mm. were created on day 2. Okay. Uh, Bert, uh, go, ahead. Let, let me... go ahead, go ahead. Job 38 seems to indicate that the angels were created before the creation of this world. Job 38.7 says the, the morning stars sang together at the creation. And so, Bert, I've always heard that um, the at, at some point prior to the creation of this world, the angels were created. Well, I had to as well. They're a separate creation from the earthly creation. And notice what it says, God separated the earth, you know, the water, he separated the sky and the matter, the whole idea is there, that separation. But it seems like the angels was not a part of that, they were in the presence of God. And Alex, that's what I've always understood. Uh, It's it's one of those things, Janice, that, uh, you know, clear, yeah, you know, could it be clearer, yes. Uh, but I, I think that is the right answer that Alex has given. Janice, thank you. And uh, thank Good you. Good question. Yeah. And we pre- listen, our goal, and, and I hope it comes across, our goal is for God to get the glory. That's the whole idea. share God, you get the glory. Exploring the Word, you get the glory. Uh, if we try to do any other thing, uh, we better stop. That's what I'm saying. So thank you, Janice. We're picking up on that. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Ethan. Ethan, welcome. Yes, sir. Go right ahead. Um, my question was, can you explain the difference in the rapture of the church versus the second coming of Christ? Okay, Ethan, great. Alex, go ahead, because uh, I really want to get to this one in the next caller, so answer that as quickly as you can as well. Sure, sure. Well, um, when we talk about the rapture, we're talking about the fact that a lot of people believe, and, and I believe this, like First Thessalonians 4, that uh, the church is caught out, caught up together to meet the Lord in the air, and after the catching away is the seven-year tribulation. And really, when we talk about the second coming of Christ, we're talking about at the end of the tribulation, at the Battle of Armageddon, Christ returns and vanquishes the armies of the Antichrist, and the the thousand-year millennium uh, begins. So really, the second coming 
and the rapture are, are really two different things, that uh, the rapture is first before the seven-year tribulation, and then uh, at the end of the battle, of, well, end of the tribulation, battle of Armageddon, Christ victoriously returns and sets up his worldwide kingdom. That's really the second coming proper. We don't have any idea when the rapture may take place, but we know the second coming is seven years later. We got that one down. So uh, thank you, Ethan. Okay, Pam from Texas. I hear you got a comment on Simon. I, I was really wanting to get to that. What is it, Pam? Hi. How are you doing? Doing great. Um, I Yeah, of course, you know, I, I enjoy listening to your program. But <clears throat> when they called about uh, Simon and why does Simon carry the cross, the Holy Spirit itself to me just put into my heart, bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. And so I think that it was an example um, that Jesus was even in his death, you know, going to his death. Um, some people go through some really difficult things, and they refuse help. And that's a form of pride. And so I, I feel like that uh, Jesus was just being a further example to the body of Christ to allow someone to come alongside and bear him up and help him. Amen, Pam. That scripture, Amen. matter of fact, that you quoted is Galatians mm. 6, 2, and we're going to get to that, that we yeah. do bear one another's burdens, and it was a burden. And I, let me just say, I, I don't know who the writer was or who wrote it, but there's a song, Watch the Lamb, and it's about, Simon of Cyrene being taken out. Who was it, Devin? Ray Bolts. Okay, Ray Bolts. okay. He, I know he made some has made bad choices, but he wrote a great song. Watch the Lamb, and uh, Alex. It really, I, I remember the first time I heard that song. It, I was there. You know. Yeah. Very good. And and you know it says Simon of Cyrene carried the cross behind Jesus. He followed along. And we follow along behind Christ, too. And as the caller so well said, we bear one another's burdens. Bert, I'm excited. We're in Galatians, aren't you? <laughs> you and me both. Hey, we're going to stay in it. And I, I want to tell you, you'll be blessed. And uh, so stay with us. Tune in tomorrow and listen. Tell someone about exploring the Word. But more importantly, tell them about Jesus. <laughs> 